from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. I pull my life out in front of me, dreams of who I want to be, and seeing every empty page, but I find that everything I am is everything I should be, and I don't need to run. It's Friday, June 14th, 2019, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios, on the ones and twos, our illustrious engineer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. Too many words. I got to cut that down. Uh, On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Uh, And from Nashville, Tennessee, our senior editor, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody. Uh, we're rolling we're rolling lean and mean this week again. Now, you know what happened last week when this was the crew. In the ditch <laughs> within minutes. Back <laughs> out of the driveway. I'm surprised, I'm surprised they even allowed us back in the, in the driver's seat. I'm surprised seat. the well, internet quickly. even then. Yeah. Can we, I mean, let's be honest. Let's tell the listeners what's going on. We Can also you? do other things. We have mm-hmm. a thing called a magazine. We have a daily website. We have... There's a lot going on here at the old relevant media group and uh, for, you know, for all in, you know, and then our friends who join us, they have a lot going on too. They're authors, they're yeah. speakers, they're travelers and just coordinating. It's like herding cats to get all of our schedules to align. I had someone dropped an A-list bomb on me this week. I was asking, I, I don't think I'm at liberty to say, but it was, I'll say this, a Grammy winning, a recent Grammy winning star. And I emailed somebody, be like, hey, you want to come on and be our fourth? And they're like, I totally would. But I'm in the studio with this person, this super famous person. And no, I, no, and no, I no, wanted no. to say, you here's can, what I listen, wanted. You can say, hey, hey, you're a friend. You're a friend of the show. You should join us. Uh, sorry, man. I'm, I'm in the studio this week with Casey Musgraves. You can say yeah. it. Just say it. And you're I, not going to say who said, the friend is. And I but. said, I thought we were friends. Choose between me and Casey <laughs> right now. He chose Casey Musgraves. <laughs> and so here we are. Here yes. we I don't, I don't. are. And I understand. I understand that you're busy. I understand these people are busy. But this is what I said when you told me that, Jesse. And I stand by this. When you're in the studio with somebody, this is not a 24th. They don't lock the doors until you finish an album. This person, this person has, unless Casey runs a very, yeah, uh, very different sort of recording schedule. Yeah, she does. And then, then the other thing is, there's another uh, person that was going to join us this morning, and all that, all of a sudden, they remember they have to take their children to school this morning. So that's when I said, unless you choose between me and your children, we're not <laughs> friends anymore. They chose their children too. So, also, <laughs> what children are still in school mid June? Yeah, in, in Florida, children children have been free for a month at this point. Oh, today was They're the roaming the streets. Yeah. Today was the last day for kids around here, yeah. and this this I I moved on to the most socially active cul-de-sac in the history of the world. They have this big thing where they, all the parents hide in the bushes for when that like when the middle schoolers get off with what? water balloons and water guns, and they what? make the kids run like a gauntlet down the cul-de-sac what? on the last oh, day. Oh yeah, so many, into it, man. How many? Middle wow. school children live on your street. This is so strange to me that all they're, these I mean, people have chosen to live next to each other with the ex- in the exact same stage of life with the exact same age children. That's crazy. I mean, I, I'd say the parents' ages vary pretty wildly, but I'd say a lot of the kids are within like a six-year range of each other. You know, they're almost old enough for them them to be like a parents versus kids basketball tournament. That's what I'm going to be lobbying for because you know. 
I feel like here's the thing. I've been perfecting my game for years. Cameron's seen me ball it out. That's true. And I have not only maintained the abilities from my high school glory days, but I've learned all the dirty uncle tricks that you use in the post. You know, some shirt pulling, you know, some elbows, you know, throwing some weight around a little, calling cheap fouls. I wear them down mentally physically emotionally and sometimes even spiritually and i can't wait till i <laughs> have you ever done the uh the lance stevenson blow in the ear of your opponent oh i mean that's the, it's literally when i go to shake their hand hey good game looking forward to play and then i lean in real close just go <laughs> right into the air right into it and they look at me and the parents like the kids parents look at me like why'd you blow my kids here i just said I'm teaching them. I'm teaching them skills that they're going to learn on the streets. And Literally, the streets being your cul-de-sac. That's right. That's I think right. you put a few stakes in, in this game. I like the idea of a, of a basketball of parents wait, wait, versus kids are you basketball. Say, are game. you saying turn it into a barbecue as well? Throw some stakes into the game. Well, I, I mean, mean, obviously, there's going to that, be food. That's a normal occurrence. Proteins just important. Is, important. But but I also think there's actual literal. You know, I think we need some some literal stakes like. If if the kids beat you, which I don't think is going to happen, but if the kids beat you, then then they they like claim you on their taxes from now on. Or so I'll I don't say, know what the rule. I'm not a parent. I don't know how this all works. When I was a kid, there was a mailman. When I was a kid, there was a mailman who, when he would see us playing basketball, would stop the mail truck and jump in a game. And I'll say this: we were kids, and he was a grown man, and he would show no mercy. He was just yeah. dominating, blocking shots, talking trash. <laughs> when the game went over, he would just continue his mail route. It made me consider uh, a career in the Postal a Service. Life, because, a, li- a life with the Postal Service, yeah. Yeah, ex- I mean, it seems like you can just pull over whenever you see something fun going on and enjoy it, you know? I mean, who's going to complain, you know? Well, we have a great show in store for you today. Uh, coming up later, we talk to our, wow, author, pastor, thinker, leader, Max Licato is joining us. Uh, t- Multi-hyphenate, I think they call those people. Like when they got that many hyphens in their name, then they're just then you, you just do it all. You just group it all under one big multi-hyphenate title. Okay. And I'll say this: between Max Lucato's uh, books that he has made available to the public and my self-published um, fringe political theory books uh, that I've written under a pseudonym and self-published mm-hmm. online, we have sold more than 100 million copies. No big deal. <laughs> not bragging, but me and Max, you know, really, I don't I can't, I'm not sure the break, I would give the breakdown, but I just don't know it. I just know between you and him, me and him, it's 100 million sold. So has, no it, big has deal. he really sold 100 million books? Yeah. Dude, yes. that guy writes like a machine. You know how some people spend their whole life. You talk to those guys. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm working on a book. I'm writing my book right now. And you're like, that's really great. Max Licato has written. I, I don't know how he probably it's doesn't over know 40. how many. It's over 40. It's it. The guy is just a just churns them out. Just churns them out like pancakes on Sunday morning. He is what's books, just books what's in crazy him. is that he's also a pastor. I mean, it's like yeah. if you were a full-time author, you put in 40 hours a week in writing, I could see the volume. But like he's also preparing sermons, leading as a large church. You know, he's a family man. Like he's he speaks. I mean, he's he's not just writing. That's what's crazy. He doesn't yeah. sleep. That's something that people don't. We talk about that quite a bit. He, he doesn't he doesn't know how. Never learn. Never, never, never learn. Doesn't how feel to like sleep. he needs it. Yeah. He does, it That's just doesn't the happen. key. That's the key to productivity is get an extra eight hours of work time a day. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> no. And he, no, here's the key. And here's what I'm working on is hiring a full time 
uh, assistant who just transcribes everything like a court stenographer. And this <laughs> assistant just walks around with me with a typewriter capturing every word I say. And I tell them at the end of the day, figure out how to turn this into a book. And they say to me, it's not going to make any sense. There are some very dangerous ideas in what you have been <laughs> ranting about all day. I'm not comfortable putting this out and I don't care. That's how I will publish 40 bucks is just uh, a stenographer who shadows me all the time. And I have no shame in that. So. All right. So moving the show along, it is time for. It's the hottest, the hottest. It's sizzling. <laughs> did you extend the bacon? Yeah, sizzling? I think, I think <laughs> it's a little more pronounced. It did. I think no, you, it's the same. Oh, yeah. Are you sure? he the just passage, it was a little usually. like, and today it sounds like I'm right. I'm in the kitchen at Denny's. <laughs> 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 All right, coming to number five this week on the hot list. Uh, Switchfoot covered Living on a Prayer in preparation for their <laughs> upcoming tour with Bon Jovi. The band's getting ready to play a series of concert dates in Europe with Bon Jovi. And leading up to those stadium shows, they released a cover of his classic ballad by their tour mates. Here's a clip. That note. I'm having a good time. I'm having a good time. Oh, I'm okay. having a great time. I'm, I'm I am having, having the time, time of my I'm, life. Listening. I'm literally listening to that thinking the Venn diagram of fan bases that enjoyed that <laughs> yeah. mashup. Yeah. I'm going, that's pretty, pretty narrow niche there. Although I think on paper, on, on paper, they're not the same thing, but I do feel like this has, this is of, this is, uh, in the same in the same sphere as the Rambo trailer, so I want to be careful about our conversation here because this could easily turn into this week's Rambo trailer. I will Redux. say this: I, I want someone to do this. I don't know how they would, but somehow, like, find the stems for that Rambo trailer, extract Old Town Road, and put Switchfoot's cover of "Living on a Prayer" over it, and just see if it works. Why because, not just "Living on a Prayer"? I mean, what, here's no, my no, no, thing no. about covers: you've got to put your own twist on it and make it your own. I that agree. just yeah. sounded like. Bob John Joey's living on a prayer, but John like Ford's karaoke. singing it. Like John yeah, from karaoke. karaoke and living on, on a John. prayer. John, yeah. reinterpret it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Do you like, we like John. John, friend of the pod. Oh, friend of the pod, longtime fan. Are you I'm talking just about saying, John Bon Jovi or John Foreman? Both. Foreman. Which John? Both. I'm just saying, like, make it sound like a Switchfoot song. It just sounds like a Bon Jovi song to me. I when I, We posted this on the site, and... I, I, Tyler, I, you, you, you did some copy editing on that uh, little piece, and I, I included one of my favorite uh, <laughs> images of on the internet uh, in the post, and it is a, you know, uh, um, John, Bo, uh, John Bon Jovi has that song, uh, "It's My Life," yeah. it's wow, now wow. On you know that one. Yeah, there is a picture on the internet of someone who got a tattoo, and it says, "It's is my life." So there's a ta- there's a typo <laughs> with the "It's is," but then. And it has like a little like hyphen to denote who this quote comes from. And she wrote on her and, and tattooed under it is John Bovey. John Bovey, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it is my life. My favorite song by my favorite Ta- artist, John Bovey. Tattoo typos Bovey. truly are my fit. Like it's when I'm having a down day. I've, I think I've told you this, Jesse. I'm having a down day. Things are a little stressful at the office or whatever. 
Googling bad tattoos will turn that that, it it flips the frown upside down like few other things on the internet can do for me because that one could have been you know so easily checked like not only for grammar like it's is is a a bad grammatical it's is is grammatical John Bovey you would think the tattoo artists (laughs) tattoo artists and John but listen to John Bon Jovi like we listen to Switchfoot on this podcast they just go together you know it's just part of the same world I'm so but but maybe it's in the tattoo artist code just like you know, they tell me what they want. I do it too. I don't, I don't ask questions. It's she is said my she life, wanted John. John it's is my life with John Bovey. That's what she's getting. I get paid. <laughs> I don't care. All right, coming in number four this week on the hot list. Uh, Terrence Malick's next movie is reportedly all about Jesus. Well, kind of. So his uh, latest work is called A Hidden Life, and it premiered at Cannes. Uh, it got rave reviews for its depiction of a conscientious objector in Austria during World War II, and the ensuing harassment he received from his local community and even his church for refusing to work with the Third Reich program. But the 75-year-old is spending no time resting on his laurels and is apparently already working on his next feature, which ought to be intriguing for our audience. It's called The Last Planet, and it's going to evidently, quote, convey passages in the life of Christ through representing evangelical parables. Now, this being a Terrence Malick movie, it's a safe bet that the resulting project isn't going to be a straightforward or even necessarily linear uh, thing. Uh, Malik movies operate more on impressionistic and even poetic levels, prioritizing mood over narrative and virtually everything over a brief runtime. However, they do typically draw A-list casts. Recent uh, films that he's done have starred Brad Pitt, uh, Ben Affleck, Kate Blanchett, Natalie Portman, Christian Bale, Rachel McAdams, Jessica Chastain, and a ton of others. No other details have been released about the cast or release date for The Last Planet, but keep your eye on that. Yeah, I... I, it, it it constantly fascinates me how Terrence Malick is able to draw not not just a list but like a plus list right like big the, stars yeah the most famous the most recognizable most talented actors in the world constantly flock to his movies. When's the last time you guys have watched one of those films? Because it, Jesse and I got Jesse and I got into a little we got into a row about this. Jesse and I agree on a lot of things, it, but we but we we I, tooth and nail. And I've rarely seen Tyler get visibly angry at me when I'm <laughs> ranting at him about how boring it is to watch montages of people run their hands over the tops of hay while walking through a field at sunset and the silhouettes of people, you know, in bed sheets that are drying on an old scenic clothesline while some narrator mindlessly drones on while an orchestra plays in the background. I mean, I'm sorry. They're just... I don't find them entertaining movies at all. I think you are describing a NUMA video, first of all. It's <laughs> <laughs> a different genre <laughs> of, of film. And now and Rob Bell is going to walk across the street and help his elderly neighbor, neighbor <laughs> shovel the, the, you know, while, um, you know, what's uh, some explosions in the sky plays in the background. It's basically the same, the same concept. All right, coming in number three this week on the hot list. Oh, man. Uh, Questlove from The Roots, War... Uh, he went to the Shaft premiere this week. And, you know, you're on the red carpet. You're going to a movie premiere. And what did he wear? A Preachers and Sneakers hoodie. Mm. Uh, so for, for those still unfamiliar with the viral Instagram account, Preachers and Sneakers, the feed features images of pastors like Stephen Furtick, John Gray, Chad Veach, and others wearing some very expensive kicks and outfits in the pulpit. Uh, evidently, the Roots drummer and Tonight Show band leader Questlove is a fan while attending the premiere of Shaft, he wore a Preachers and Sneakers branded hoodie. But if you're looking to cop one for yourself, we've got some bad news. According to the um, caption, 
Quest got it one of one, exclusive for him from the guy Must- who runs the account. Yeah, well, I, I I'm kind of curious <clears throat> of of Quest Love's uh, uh, true opinion on on the fad. But I told I told Tyler this week I think that I think that feed although it's given us a lot of joy and pleasure to to scroll through it's close to jumping the shark and here's why they're 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 running out of like preacher and sneaker images he, for one. he literally said that he he posted one that was pretty old and somebody commented like dude uh, you run out of material this is from like 2011 and he replied to the commenter and said yeah you have no idea how hard it is to find images anymore. Well, and here's why I think it. Here's why I think it jumped the shark. <laughs> this was this is a good observation, Jess. Recently, this is good recently, I was looking at the feed, and one of them was of J.D. Greer, who's the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. I don't know J.D., but I can tell you this: if you're president of the Southern Baptist Convention, you're probably a little square. I mean, not a, the Southern not Baptist Southern Baptist just re, there. It was only two conventions ago that they made untucking your shirt uh, unsinful. <laughs> so, like, they're not exactly the most progressive and fashionable people. What? I'm just I'm just making that. Probably we don't yeah. know. But, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me. For a while, for a while, it was. They're on, currently debating whether or not women should preach. So it's not like known for its progressive. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like it's like it's that mildly, much. Like, <laughs> yeah. Miller's trying to pull back the reins on, whoa, they're getting out of line there. Yeah, I mean, there was, uh, uh, you know, they excommunicated a pastor recently for uh, not wearing khakis during the early morning <laughs> non-contemporary service. You know, they it was only yeah. a few years ago that you there could start no, wearing car- carpet. There was no jeans. hammer loop in the jeans, so yeah, that, that, only, they, they had to censure, <laughs> publicly censure him. It was, it was only a few years ago, yeah, where the SBC allowed non-carpenter jeans <laughs> into buildings. So to see J.D. Greer on Preachers and Sneakers wearing a pair of Jordan threes. Now these were only two hundred dollar, you know, which by preacher and sneaker standards, you know, throw another zero on there, and that's kind of the more normal price. But still, it kind of jumped the shark. And I feel like so did Jordans. I felt like up to now, Jordans was Jordan was a pretty untouchable brand. Uh, but you know, with the rise of of of, of Yeezys, with all of these other uh, uh, athletic shoe companies really stepping Luxury, up their streetwear yeah. game, and now JD Greer wearing Jordans. I really feel like that brand's gone downhill. So, uh, yeah. you know. Well, you know, it was trying to make a point. It made it. Let's I think it made on. the point. And it doesn't need on. to, it doesn't need to last. Nothing's going to last forever. I do think I'm not, I'm not opposed to the idea of, of preachers and sneakers merch, but I do think you put yourself in a tough spot for how much you charge for this merchandise yeah. now. If you make because anything over the cost of manufacturing, then you've opened you yourself are, up to you your own. Hypocrite. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, he could step in a trap pretty easily, and we don't. And now that it's Questlove is wearing it, you could conceivably get away with with charging a decent amount for it if he hadn't made his name, staked yeah. his whole reputation on not making money or not spending too much on clothing. Which I think is again, I'm not knocking him. I think it's a valid. I, I think the point yeah. that he brought up is a valid one. I just think he's in a tough spot now. Yeah, the yeah. tension is real. Yep. All yeah. right, coming in number two this week on the hot list, Arcade Fire received the uh, Peace and Justice Activist Award for their work in Haiti. The band's Regine Chasson, who fronts Arcade Fire with her husband, Wynn Butler, is a child of Haitian immigrants and has championed humanitarian causes in the country for years and founded the organization Kanpe. Uh, the organization helps young people in Haiti get connected with educational and professional opportunities. The band performed at the Artists for Peace and Justice Gala, which raised more than $250,000 for Kanpe and other causes. 
Arcade Fire has innovated charitable giving in the music industry. Starting in 20, uh, 2007, they've donated $1 from every concert ticket that they sell to causes that support communities in Haiti. The band's violin player, Marika Anthony Shaw, has also founded a group called Plus One that pairs other artists like The National and St. Vincent with causes they're passionate about and collects $1 from their ticket sales to support them. So far, Plus One has raised about $10 million for charitable causes around the world. Plus One also being a Christian boy band from yeah. 1999. I was yeah. not aware that that uh, a member of Arcade Fire was also a founding member of Plus One. That's a fun little <laughs> bit of Christian music. Plus One <laughs> is giving their reunion tour uh, ticket sales to charitable causes. So far, they have raised uh, $15. So every little bit helps, man. Every, every little bit helps. From family members of Plus One, but still, it's every dollar. One step closer. Yeah, yeah better than nothing. Uh, coming in at number one this week on the hot list, John Stewart, oh man, delivered a blistering speech slamming Congress for ignoring 9-11 first responders, and then they acted. For well over a decade now, the former Daily Show host has been laser-focused on the 9-11 Victim Compensation Fund. The act was first passed in 2010 as a way of providing health care to those suffering serious medical issues connected to the 2001 terrorist attack in New York City. But that act was only funded for five years, and currently over 11,000 different types of cancer have been reported that can be linked to the 9-11 attacks, from an aggressive form of brain cancer to debilitating lung cancers. Extending the funding of the act has been a passion project of Stewart's, who devoted an entire episode of his show to the cause and has since become the most vocal face of the fight to get the cause funded. This week, he appeared before House Judiciary Subcommittee on Civil Rights and Civil Liberties to deliver an emotionally charged plea and a harsh condemnation of Congress for failing first responders and tying up past efforts for funding with other bills. Stewart was visibly emotional throughout, fighting back tears as he cited the stories of men and women who died before the bill was passed, saying, I can't help but think what an incredible metaphor this room is. A room filled of 9-11 first responders and in front of me, a nearly empty Congress. Sick and dying, they brought themselves down here to speak to no one. Shameful. Here's a clip. And I'm sorry if I sound angry and undiplomatic, but I'm angry, and you should be too, and they're all angry as well, and they have every justification to be that way. There is not a person here, there is not an empty chair on that stage that didn't tweet out, never forget the heroes of 9-11, never forget their bravery, never forget what they did, what they gave to this country. Well, here they are. And where are they? And it would be one thing if their callous indifference and rank hypocrisy were benign, but it's not. Your indifference costs these men and women their most valuable commodity, time. It's the one thing they're running out of. That was a difficult thing to watch, but, you know, it, it was ended up being effective. I mean, it, it, got, moved the needle, yeah. it, it yeah, ended up not only getting the attention of the internet, but, you know, constituents of these, you know, lawmakers. 
the next day, the House Judiciary Committee unanimously passed the bill that will extend the funding for the September 11th Victims Compensation Fund. You know, in politics, sometimes there's just some things that are right, and we need to move them forward. They're not yeah. partisan. We just need to do them. And uh, thankful for people like John Stewart uh, using his voice, his platform to raise awareness about this thing that's affecting thousands of people who are truly heroes and sacrifice their health and their lives for others. And uh, I'm glad to see that it worked and that the the house responded. I I was thinking about it in terms of, uh, I think a lot of us do that. And I'm guilty of this too, of using a lot of, and it's kind of the the, world that Jon Stewart inadvertently helped create using a lot of snark and, and uh, disaffection with our, and how we talk about politics which is, which is understandable. There's a lot of things to be snarky and, and insincere about. So it's very moving to hear somebody who seems very, very earnest, um, who certainly looked very earnest. He was crying while he delivered that speech to see like somebody who's genuinely feeling something, a sense has a real strong moral sense of uh, moral purpose in what he was talking about and was very clear and forceful about it. I'd like to see more of that in our political discussions because I think it, it, it works. It's effective. And, yeah. and like as much as everyone kind of, uh, you know, makes commentary about the fusion of celebrity and politics, you know, I mean, we, you know, we have the current president was a former reality TV star. You know, I do, I do think there's something to say for some of these people using their platform to get attention to things that otherwise may fly under the radar for a lot for the average American. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I, I don't know that the I don't know that a House Judiciary Committee hearing on the extension of the 9/11 Victims Foundation Fund would be something that any you know, the average American would really have much of an awareness of if it wasn't for someone like John Stewart going there and kind of rallying people. I mean, we saw it. Um, a few years ago when like Ashton Kutcher and Louis Giglio were both present and I, and, and Ashton Kutcher was even invited to give like a, a testimony at a hearing to extend funding for human trafficking relief efforts. And it's a lot of times people who have a platform actually going to Washington and getting on C-SPAN and these clips going around the internet it does raise awareness. It is effective. You know, I think that's just, look, celebrity has power, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, that's just the reality. And I think people like that using their platform for good is, is really positive and really needed, you know? And then you have the people on the other, that went the other way. You have, uh, you have, uh, rest in peace, but you know, yeah. Congressman, uh, Fred Thompson, who served in? I'm sorry, the senator Fred Thompson, who served in the Senate until 2003, and then be, and then then went and joined Law and Order, and he became a cast member on Law and Order for four <laughs> years. Do you remember that? Very authoritative on Law and Order. I've never yeah. watched Law and Order, but I assume every detective looks like Fred Dude. Thompson on that show. <laughs> no, 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 no. He was like the 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 boss guy. He wasn't like a detective. He was like the judge. Dude, I don't know no. what they called no. attorney Great. general. That's a good- that kind of thing. Good direction. Yeah. Good direction. Yeah. I, I'd like to leverage more. More. I think people should go out of politics and into the celebrity world into instead acting. of lobbying. <laughs> instead of go, you know, going into like some shady, like dark money situation because that's that, that that I don't like that. But I like the idea of these people being like, you know what? I've, I've had to talk a lot while I was in politics. I could do it for money. Well, dude, every once in a while you see like they'll do like a, a, a SNL cameo or something, you yeah. know? Yeah. And yeah, you're like, you're like, dude. John McCain was really funny. 
another you know like every time he was on he was like he, he's he's willing to be like self-deprecating and he was just like he had like natural it was like it reminded like seeing john mccain doing like any kind of because i i think he was he might have done like a cameo in parks and rec i know uh joe biden did but it reminded me of like man the, some of these guys are just naturally talented it's like when chance guest hosted uh snl this past year every sketch he was in i'm like dude if music didn't work out he'd be a great cast member yeah, you know towards yeah. the end of his life john mccain was a little old to be an snl cast member but if they did it i would watch like i'd be like oh <laughs> it's really weird that they've added 82 year old john mccain to the cast for some reason he's a featured <laughs> member this year but uh you know i'm kind of here for it i'm i'm interested to see what they got going yeah. Well, who, who, Dennis Miller uh, went from SNL uh-huh. to to the government. Um, I'm thinking there's a couple of others as well. Uh, there was uh, I mean, uh, Ronald Reagan. Reagan. Al Ronald Reagan. Reagan since since disgraced congressman, but but yeah. he was very uh, until that happened. He was considered a, a very like a good politician. Yeah. And then Ronald Reagan, he was a movie star, and he became Ronald president. Reagan was a movie star. Yeah, so, there's yeah, a lot of crossover there. Yeah, it goes back and forth. All right, you think yeah. about uh, it. You think on, about on. it too hard. <laughs> this may be. We're not doing question of the week today, but if you had to have one, I already know who I would pick, and it's not ironic. Uh, if you had to pick one current celebrity to take to have a very high position in government, who would you pick? Because I already a have mine, and he would be a UN envoy. He would be in charge of all diplomacy, like any tense situation. We send Tom Hanks and John Lovett out there. And guess what? We're causing laughs and making John friends Lovett. all over. Well, I love it. I'm with you on Hanks, but love it is a weird one. For <laughs> I mean, me. there was John like Lovett a Hanks. There was like a Hanks 2016 campaign a few years ago. Like you know, people were trying to get him to run because uh, John Lovett is hilarious. Everything he's done is is. Hey, remember Cameron when he had the little guest front? He had that episode of Seinfeld where he was the guy that I mean, it's pretty dark. I don't know if you could this would play in in uh, modern TV, but he faked cancer so that he could get a toupee. Remember that episode? Yeah, John did. Lovitz yeah, yeah. was gold in that. Remember the critic? Gold. Everything he does, gold. He's one of he's he is our most underrated national treasure, in my opinion. Yeah. When he filled in for Phil Hartman on news radio, it didn't, it, I don't know. Yeah, it was a big shoes to fill. Oh, but you guys are agreeing with me, Tom Hanks. If you had yeah, to elevate one celebrity. Hanks is fine. Honestly, yeah. can I be, I mean, I'm being for real. Like, especially watching that clip, I've always thought that Jon Stewart should be like a senator or something. Like, like, a, like a elder statesman AOC. Like a, a yeah. provocateur, a person yeah. who challenges the like status quo. I think he would win. I, I think he, would, I think he I, would too. I really do. If he wanted to do it. He's got name recognition. He's obviously well-funded. Uh, I think it would be not hard if he wanted to get into politics, and he may just not. If he wanted to get into politics, I feel like he would uh, at least no, not have a hard time getting his foot in the door. Yeah. Hold on. I'll say this, too. If, if we're going both ways, if George H.W., if George W. Bush joined the yeah. cast of SNL, I'd watch, yeah. too, because I think he's <laughs> naturally funny. I don't know if he's always intentionally funny, but I think he's a very funny yeah. person. It's hard, like, it's hard to tell no, 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 what's no, sincere and what's not. Not SNL. If he had, like, an interview show or a talk show, I'd watch it. Yes. He'd be great at that. Like, hanging yeah. out with George Dubs, you know, just, like, I don't know. A little bit of Chip and Joe, a little, like, it wouldn't be like a studio it, audience it'd thing. Folksy. It'd be like It'd a, be folksy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in. I or, You know, okay, here's long form podcast sitting down with George W you know like him and Will Ferrell just joking around for an hour and a half I would listen to that no there's not anyone that he would interview that I wouldn't listen to if it just I him with you, I'd enjoy it more than some of these long form letterman ones yeah I think he'd be better at it yeah I know I know 
Because, like, the thing is, like, there's no, I don't feel like, you know, his politics aside, you know, whatever people may think about, I don't feel like there's any pretense with him. I think he really is, like, just kind of this, you know, good old boy type of guy from Texas that likes talking to people. There's tons of pretense with Letterman. Right. Like Letterman knows he's David Letterman. He, he knows he's like swinging for something. He's swinging for a fence that he might not reach in a lot of those interviews, you know, where I don't think George W. Bush would even care about that. I no, think he just want to joke around, you know? I mean, have you seen his paintings? He's just like trying stuff. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> <You're> like, <"Whatever." laughs> I didn't think about the painting point. Okay. Here, Cameron, here's, this is it. This is it. This is what we're pitching to Netflix. Okay. okay. Buckle yeah. up, guys. Yeah. <laughs> what is, what is, uh, like one of the most iconic shows of all time that, you know, no one dislikes. No one dislikes. I'll tell you what it is. Bob Ross. I know exactly you're it's Bob, Bob Ross, Ross painting. <laughs> Okay. So George W. Bob Ross painting. It's George Bush painting, but he brings a guest on, you know, like, oh, Howard Stern's promoting his new book. Let's just go do a landscape of a cottage here. And why don't we talk painting? about the well, memoir? Yeah, yeah. Are you talking side by side? Yeah. Are they so, both painting? So are they both you the happens, same paint? No, no, no. Here's what happens. The, the canvases are facing away from each other. Okay. Oh. So, so George W. So W. can't see what Howard Stern or Tiffany Haddish or any of the other guests are painting on the other side. You know? Okay. And then, they, you know, but but it's like, but the, the topic but is... The, like, but the easels are low enough that they could see each other over it. So they can exactly. be conversing and looking, glancing at each other while they're painting. Exactly. And then the final, the final minute is the big reveal. And then, and then the the production value is is Bob Ross esque, which means that you are now basically blending Bob Ross in between two ferns. Two ferns, that's right. yeah, that's right. And so it's George Dub inviting celebrities on to paint and chat, and just I feel like this. I, if I could just get his ear, I think he'd be an, an, an like I like a, an easy sell. I think he would just pitch in the like, concept right. and he'd just go, "I'm in, I'm in," you know, and and like literally he would just start. You know, I, I think I think we're on to something. Here, Your guys. impression went a little Ross Perot. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> my, that's his first. In guess, my opinion, by the way, I like I like where you're at, Jesse. I do like where your head's at. I do think that a f- first the easels should be too high for them to see each other. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that's important. No, hold on, I think hold then, on. I'm gonna go back then too. I think then too it should be not. It should be Will Ferrell as George. Bush, no. the person, but the guest thinks it's George W. Bush and does not realize till the end when they flip the paintings around that the entire conversation was actually Will Ferrell. Hold on, how about this? The, the, though the easels are too high for them yeah. to see each other, both canvases have eye holes poked in them, and the eye holes have to be incorporated into the painting, so it's not obvious in the end product. Okay, so so they are making the paintings for the Scooby Doo mansions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. exactly. Two right. eye holes that's, that's exactly that right. you can only so so like the obvious thing would be to paint a face around the eye holes, but you right. can you can disguise them any way you want, yeah. you know, like how, however creative <laughs> you want to get. I would. Oh, I'm man. telling you, the show just keeps getting better. Like <laughs> yeah. you know, you binge watch the first season. It, it would be huge. It would be huge. I mean, George Dub painting with Tom Hanks. Oh, that'd be great. It's a great twenty yeah, minutes right there. I would yeah, watch be very, that. Be very um, relaxing. Yeah. George Dub paint with some, you know, with a famous athlete like LeBron James. I'd want to totally watch that. Or, or put him with, put him with, you know, give Obama a guest spot on there. Like, you know, have them. They're friends. Bipartisan. They're buddies. Peace in our time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. A bipartisan. It could be. They I do Michelle Obama. They're buddies. 
You know? Another another possibility I think could be that we we take a we take a page out of this new Tig Nataro show for Funny or Die, in which George W. Bush does not know who his guest is going to be, <laughs> nor can he see them now, except for through the little eye holes that he's looking at, and so he has to try to guess via conversation who the who the guest is for that time, and it may be a very obscure like Gen Z. It could be like Zendaya. He's like, I don't know who Zendaya. He's never heard of her. You know, that's not his brand. <laughs> well, so, what's funny is it took him. He didn't get Barack Obama to the big reveal and Obama's like I'm telling you I was the president right after you Bush is like I don't know Cheney is Dick is that you he's like no directly after you I was the president of the United States of America we've met many times Rumsfeld what are you doing here yeah we've met many occasions once again I was the 44th president of the United States okay okay <laughs> and, and Bush is like, I need another hint. I need another hint. Okay, uh, where were you born? And he and, and, he, and he goes Hawaii. And then he looks at the eye holes, and Obama's winking at him. <laughs> <laughs> Hawaii, Hawaii, part of the United oh. States. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm an American citizen. Oh, winking. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for. It's the hardest, the hardest. All right, stay tuned. Up next, Max Licato joins us. But there's a kind of love that God only knows. God only knows what you've been through. God only knows the safe value. But God only knows the real you. Because there's a kind of love that God only knows. You're listening to For King and Country and Echo Smith. It's God Only Knows, the Timbaland remix. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Half Alive with Runaway. Hey, this show is brought to you by Quip. I, you've got a day or so before Father's Day, and there's a lot of gradu- graduations going on right now. So go get them a one-size-fits-all gift, a perfect one, uh, like a new oral health routine with Quip. The guiding features make sticking to good habits simple with Quip, and signing them up for a subscription helps them save and refresh their toothbrush every three months. With the Quip electric toothbrush, you can show your thanks where it really counts. 75% of us use old, worn-out bristles that are ineffective, so with Quip, brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just 5 bucks. A friendly reminder when it's time to refresh and stay committed to your oral health. Also, Quip uh, toothbrushes have a built-in two-minute little timer that pulses every 30 seconds to kind of remind you how long to brush. And Quip is one of the first uh, electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association. They're backed by over 25,000 dental professionals and have thousands of verified five-star reviews. I love Quip because it looks great, it's high quality, and it's a great price. Uh, And why over 1 million happy, healthy mouths do too. Quip starts at just 25 bucks and you can go to getquip.com dot com slash relevant right now you can get your first refill pack for free that's your first refill pack for free at g-e-t-q-u-i-p dot com slash relevant well, max Licato is a pastor and the author of more than 40 books that have sold more than 100 million copies in his latest book how happiness happens max looks at how to find true joy in a world obsessed with comparison unrealistic expectations and me-centric goals Tyler recently spoke with 
Mr. Lucado about the book and the keys to finding real happiness. Yeah, I uh, was. Uh, I enjoyed this conversation because I am really actually interested in the topic of how like happiness and faith work together and don't work together. So the first thing I wanted to ask uh, Max Lucado about was how we even define happiness. I feel like it's a word that we use a lot, but don't necessarily have a great... The, the definitions can be very different from person to person. So I wanted to know how he defined it. And I thought his answer was kind of illuminating in terms of how Christians should think about happiness. What I found is a work, a good working definition is that happiness is a deeply rooted sense of contentment that does not depend upon circumstance. It's a deeply rooted, in other words, it's something that's within us, and it's a sense of contentment. Uh, that word works. Uh, happiness, some people think of happiness, they think of frivolity or goofiness, but contentment and happiness really are synonymous. But it's very important to point out that from a biblical perspective, joy and happiness do not rely upon anybody. Uh, They really rely upon our relationship with God and our understanding of why we're on the earth. And so I I use that as a working definition, a deeply rooted sense of contentment that is not contingent upon or dependent upon any circumstance. That guy should write books. It's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty (laughs) Pretty well put, right? (laughs) I I would watch him. I would watch him looking through the eye holes of the canvas. <laughs> talking I think you've got to guest, one, guest one for your, for your uh, new show. Yeah. Um, so the inspiration for him to write this, this particular book, this, this uh, 40th plus book, was uh, a few studies that he came across that said, at least according to one study that he found, that, uh, that happiness was at an all-time low in the U.S., that the number of people who say they're happy uh, was that now only one in three people consider themselves happy, which was very distressing to him. So I asked him to, he, he looked into why that was, and his theory, I thought, was, uh, was uh, interesting as well. Here's what he said. The reason that makes the most sense to me is that we are under constant attack from a multi-billion dollar marketing industry that tells us we have to find happiness in what we uh, own, what we drive, the diploma on the wall, uh, what we do in the bedroom or the boardroom, that happiness depends upon uh, exterior influences. And the reason, here's an example. Uh, I went home today for lunch and uh, I love to, when I go home, I'll, I'll do what a lot of guys do. I turned on Sports Center just to see how the basketball game went last night. To, what, to find out the score, I endured one commercial telling me I don't have enough hair. I endured another commercial telling me I'm not masculine enough. I need more uh, stuff in my body to, to make myself as I'm getting older. And another commercial telling me that if I was a real man, I would drive a Jeep. Well, for crying out loud, I, and, and it, you know, I got bombarded there in 90 seconds. And, 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 and I think it was on my mind because I've been thinking about this topic. But imagine if it's not on your mind. Imagine if you're not aware of this. Imagine that if you just ex- leave yourself exposed or vulnerable. Well, then you're going to, after the, that just triage, that, 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 those three commercials, that trio of commercials, you're going to think, oh, man, I'm, I'm unhappy because I'm getting bald, I'm getting old, and I'm driving the wrong car. And, and so imagine, multiply that by, you know, a hundred such messages a day. And I think it's a full court press. I really do. 
it is interesting to think about what the constant onslaught of like felt need based advertising does to like our collective contentment, you know, like well, yeah. when you're always being told you need this or that, it, it has to take a toll on you on some psychological level, you know. I, I think it was something I used to hear about a lot more. Maybe it was more of a 90s thing like consumerism is it like you you can't think about like stuff materialism is, isn't going to make you happy and i you believe it and we all say we believe it but I, I think max is right you can believe it all you want to but we are nevertheless being hit all day by thousands literally thousands of ads telling us otherwise and that's going to have a psychological effect yeah. on you unless you're very very disciplined and active about pushing back against that you know and, and, well that's it's that kind of insight that has made him my first choice for the premier guest of <laughs> Bushwhacked, episode one. I can't wait to see what he does. Bushwhacked! Bushwhacked! Episode, episode That's one. That's great! Were you working on that one. for the whole Lucado clip? You weren't even listening to Max Lucado. I'll tell you how to be happy. Sorry, who's the guest today, Tyler? <laughs> <laughs> so my obvious question after that was, uh, so, so what do we do? Like, you can't, we need to, we, we're watching TV, we're driving down the street, we're, we have, we're online, so we're going to see these types of ads. What's the solution? Uh, here's what he said. Happiness is, is, um, is really a moral obligation, that we, that we have, uh, we, we, we do the world a favor huh. when we pursue happiness, not selfishness, but happiness. When we're genuinely discovering a sense of contentment that does not depend upon any circumstance, then we're going to be a better member of our family, better member for the workforce and a better member of society. And if we're a church goer, a better member of the church. And, uh, so I think we're doing the world a favor by going on the offensive and, and scripture is packed with, op- with, suggestions on how to find a happiness uh, that that does not depend upon other people or other s- situations. Yeah. That I thinking of it as an obligation, it, you know, that that's an interesting yeah, idea. That's, that, that's like, a, yeah, that's a shift. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. as, you know, as Christians, you know, like we want to reflect that. I do have one more question for you guys <clears throat> on this topic. What do you think is better bushwhacked or for the W? Which one for the name of the show? Uh-oh, for the W, I, I think bushwhacked. Well, no, but no, bushwhacked. Bushwhacked you know is a little negative. No, 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 no. no. You know what negative. bushwhacked is? Bushwhacked is is shot on location on his ranch. You know, and so like not only so so yeah, the main through line is that they're doing the yeah. painting in his little home studio, yeah. but they cut away to walking around the property. They're out riding the ATVs, maybe the horses. Then you're experiencing the nature type stuff. Now you're bushwhacked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I like yeah. it. Yeah, I like yeah. it. If it's shot on property, I'm in. Yeah, but the painting segment's definitely for the, the main. The main thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Bush definitely. strokes? Like Bush. brush, brush strokes? Oh, no, no. <laughs> for the painting part. Uh, it's close. It's You're circling it, Chandler. Getting, it's close. It's close. But, you know, we can all, only one of us can name this show, and that person is. <laughs> so, just, just, fair. just give up. You know who lives just down the road? Is there Mr. Max Licato? Maybe he yeah. shoots That's over. That's true. They're both Texas guys. For like Oprah's, Oprah's doing her like spiritual Sunday stuff, you know? Maybe, maybe, maybe but there's a special Sunday edition of Bushwhacked where he brings on like Maxed Christian out. Th- <laughs> Maxed out. <laughs> so you're saying the dubs starts his own channel and he's like handing shows to people like Oprah yeah, does. Yeah, I think this is, yeah. Bushwhacked so, yeah, like, TV. 
So he's got so Bushwhack TV. So on Sunday they do more thoughtful spiritual programming. So maxed out as the 11, 11 a.m. show. Yeah, but I will say this: maxed out. I do agree that 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 Max Lucado should be on Sunday mornings in the spiritual block. But maxed out sounds like a game show, and now I'm kind of into the idea of Max Lucado hosting a game show on Bushwhack TV. Like I'm really liking this network, and I, I think it should be sort of like a. Uh, uh, it, it should be sort of like a Legends of the Hidden Temple, uh, maybe mixed with a little <laughs> bit of like there's an aggro crag. There, like you're bringing in a lot of it's like 90s Nickelodeon. Get, it's very, For some reason, it's, there's an American gladiator no, trying to tackle people. There's no Bible. It's not. It's not pastoral. This is purely. Uh, yeah, preteens in in feats of putting pitting their physical strength against each other and against the forces of a giant styrofoam mountain. Yeah, and now you for reasons that are never made clear. In order to win the game, you have to beat a now fifty seven year old laser from American Gladiators in a jousting contest to <laughs> yeah. win maxed yeah. out. Yeah, maxed I'm, out. I'm here for maxed out. Yeah. Yeah. Tell them what they've won. Anyway, we have there's one a, more. There's clip. something about pastoral <laughs> and pastoral that there's something there too, like because they've got yeah. the pastures, and then the pastors, the pastors and the pastures. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, past pastor. Oh, the ran- the ranch has pastures, <laughs> and on Sunday he brings pastors to the pastures. But for, but here's the thing, like it's very hard to connect with the show because to really hone in the the pasture thing of pastors, it's right. these pastors walking through a pasture, but it's very very zoomed out. You can barely see them. It's mostly a very very <laughs> wide shot of the pasture. You right. know, they're just two dots on the screen at that point. We've all heard of comedians in cars getting coffee, <laughs> right? This is going to be pastors and pastures getting slime by the old Nickelodeon slime ball, <laughs> while 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 an aging laser from a American Gladiator <laughs> waits behind the corner to tackle them both. I'm but in, it's kind guys. Of, but it's kind of like it's kind of like a Bear Grylls one where they are the pastors <laughs> are just dropped off in the middle of the pasture. They don't really know where they uh-huh. are. Everything yeah, yeah. vanishes, and now they have to get back to civilization. Mm-hmm. It's just called Pastures and Pastures, and yeah. it's part wilderness survival. It's part long walk chit chatting yeah. life lessons yeah life yeah. lessons yeah i like it, it. pastors and, and pastors and if like if they you know uh resort to killing like a wild boar with their bare hands uh, that's right. fine that's part of the show whatever happens right. happens you know? i think that should be part of it that's the, there's a bandersnatch element to it like you can choose to kill the boar <laughs> with your bare hands <laughs> you can choose if you want president bush former president bush or pastor max Licato to kill the boar but somebody's got to do it hey. Right, guys. I think uh, it's it took us, Cameron, just an hour, under an hour to get deep in the ditch and not get back out. And Chandler, <laughs> make a little note here for me yeah, to yeah. make sure we don't send this to Mac Lucado's publicist <laughs> as Tyler cues up beforehand. <laughs> Uh, well, the, the last thing that Max Lucado and I talked about was the actual was, was sort of the, the practical application. How so? How do we become happy? What what? How do we get ourselves to that point? And I did like uh, the, how counterintuitive his answer was. If I want to be more like Christ, then uh, I will wake up every day saying, "Okay, how can I make other people happy? How can I make other people happy?" And this is why the one another verses in Scripture are so profound and practical. Uh, there's over 50 of them, if I'm correct. And, and these, these passages encourage us to do everything from uh, teach one another, forgive one another, love one another, admonish one another, instruct one another, forgive one another, be patient with one another. I mean, it's just all these practical little nuggets in Scripture. And, and, and my, my, the good news is that if I want to be happy today, all I need to do is take two or three of these and say, today is the day that I am going to be patient with someone 
or I'm going to tolerate someone, or I'm going to forgive someone. I'm going to put these into practice. And the great news is, as I try to put smiles on the faces of others, I end up putting a smile on my own face. It's, it's insights like that you'll get in the first season of George Bush's new interview show, Curious George. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way I mean. There. Coming to Bush Live TV. That's it. <laughs> I like what Max was saying, though. Like that. I mean, it, it's it's something about. It's so interesting to me to see the global perspective of joy and happiness when. You know, in America, so much about our society is built on, okay, if I can be more successful or if I could get a more comfortable life, I'll be happier and things like that. And then you travel to the third world and the people who have the least have the most innate joy. And so to hear what he's talking about, like look, looking to scripture and like when we are intentional about choosing to be kind to others or serve others or forgive others, then the kind of after effect is that we also get more joyful and find happiness as well versus the American mindset is I I want to obtain things or I want to acquire happiness for my own sake. You know, he's saying scripture says it's the inverse that as we give out, we find joy. And, and you see that in the global context too. It's really interesting. I like it's, it's, it's very self-helpy almost. It's like, almost like bristly, like, Oh no, we shouldn't be trying to be happy or whatever. no, no, the, there's a joy that comes from the Lord that we should be pursuing and be mindful about. And the scripture does give us a roadmap on how to, you know, uh, pursue yeah. those things because that's how God wants us to be. And I think it's something that we are, that we are kind of know or, or we say we know, but it still takes a lot of effort to overcome that, that, uh, that innate desire to spend as much energy as I can doing nice things for myself so that I can be happier. Uh, that's not an, that, that's a daily decision that you have to make again and again to try to make other people happy. Or, or like he says, sometimes it's just, be be patient or be tolerant with somebody else the way that I hope they are tolerant with this episode of the podcast that is about them because it'll make them happier. <laughs> yeah, be to- yeah, be forgive be forgiving with us that think about Annie, how Annie can't think about be how here. good that'll feel. Yeah, it'll feel good for you to tweet something nice about this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, just we all that you ask is you misspell Max Lucado's name in the tweet so that his team. They don't see it because that's <laughs> at this point that is critical after the George W. Bush talk show stuff. So, uh, <laughs> all right, stay tuned. Up next, it's our listener of the week. And snakes and stones never broke my bones. So, oh, you need to calm down. You're being too loud. When you think about living life on mission, you might imagine people who dedicate their lives to living abroad and spreading the gospel. But in reality, living on mission just means partnering with Jesus here and now, wherever you are, to love people well with the skills he gave you. That's why Saddleback Church created the Made for Mission Conference. This October, join others passionate about making a difference in the world at Saddleback Church in Southern California to get the tools and training you need to make a difference right where you are. At the Made for Mission Conference, you'll unleash your life's mission, learn practical skills to serve, and find out how to turn your church into a hub for change. Hear from speakers like Pastor Rick Warren, Brian Fickert, David Garrison, and many more. There are even opportunities for hands-on ministry training for issues like human trafficking, the opioid crisis, orphan care, racism, refugees, poverty, global health, church planting, and more. The Made for Mission Conference takes place October 1st through 3rd, 2019 in Lake Forest, California at Saddleback Church. Learn more and get your tickets today by visiting madeformission.church. That's madeformission.church. 
Use offer code RELEVANT to save $25. And we see you over there on the internet Comparing all the girls who are killing it But we figured you out We all know now We all got crowns You need to come down Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You're listening to, I think for the first time ever on this podcast, Taylor Swift, the song You Need to Calm Down. Okay, it's time for... You listen to the show, and it's time to get to know you. It's the Listener of the Week. Our Listener of the Week this week, Jesse, uh, found on Twitter because of one very specific... That's right. Uh, n- ...nugget of information that she <laughs> shared with us. Uh, please welcome to the show, our Listener of the Week, Angela Seiler. Hey, guys. Uh, where, Hi, are, where are you joining us from, Angela? I am currently sitting in my bedroom in Astoria, Queens, New York. Astoria, Queens, never New York. Heard, never what? heard of New York. Queens? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's this tiny little nowhere city. You really wouldn't understand at all about like this very small town culture we have up here. Other, other than sitting on your bed in New York, in New York um, what do you do there? I honestly have no idea how y'all will react to this because I'm not sure you know what this is, but I teach Pilates. Yeah, of course we know. Well, what I know Pilates. Pilates is. Yeah. Tyler, it's some, t- have yeah, some respect. Tyler's very those those, I mean, those storefronts <laughs> that you drive by and never go into, they say Pilates on the sign. That's true. <laughs> I know how to pronounce it at least. Yeah, I basically tell people to do what with uh, like what to do all day with their abs and pelvises and arms and legs and stuff. And, and sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. So, Angela, just so I'm just so I'm like out there. Pilates is basically like slow yoga, right? Like it's like yoga. You just oh, move really slowly. You could not possibly be more wrong. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Holy <dare> smokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I very much dare Jesse. Um, you have no idea how much I sass you when I'm listening to this podcast when obviously <laughs> You guys cannot hear me. Um, <laughs> no, Pilates, uh, the type that I teach is actually done on very special equipment with a whole bunch of springs. So you're working with and against resistance to do a lot of functional movements that increase core strength and flexibility. So uh, the three facts that Angela sent us on Twitter about herself, I, I, I'll mention them. We, we need to breeze through the first two pretty quickly, Angela, because Jesse wants to double down on the third one. The all right? third one. So <laughs> I wondered if that would be the case. The first one, uh, at 12, I was a guest on a Spanish language talk show. Neither of my parents speak Spanish. What in the world? Yes, that is correct. Um, so I grew up in the D.C. area, and my elementary school actually offered a program where you could learn 50% of your classes in a foreign language. So I learned math and science in Spanish for the first six years of my formal education. And as a result, I became fluent in Spanish by the time I hit like seventh, eighth grade. I was speaking really, really well. And so by the time I got to seventh grade, my teacher ended up inviting me along with one other girl in the class who was a native speaker to go on this public access Spanish talk show in our neighborhood, in our county, and talk about the immersion program that I went through. So I literally did a TV show that neither one of my parents could understand a word of what I said. Oh, wow. Do you, what, do you still have a tape of this show somewhere that, that you break out to, to, to embarrass your parents with? Because they still, I'm assuming they still haven't learned <laughs> Spanish. 
To be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if it's somewhere hidden in the dusty archives of my parents' VHS collection, but I wouldn't want to show it to anybody because that was right in the middle of my awkward phase, and we just we, we really try not to focus on that. Yeah, I never left mine. My my awkward phase started yeah. and just it just persisted. So, well, at least yours <laughs> ended. <laughs> more and more awkward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right. Uh, Fact number two. I was there the night aliens invaded NYC. Yes. Is that the blue sky thing? Yes, it was. Last year? Yes. Um, So what was told on the news, obviously, we didn't know when it was happening. And I live two blocks from that Con Edison plant. Oh, my goodness. Where the explosion was. What? Yes. So you were very close to it. Those were were very eerie images. That's your own Chernobyl. Are you okay? Yeah, thankfully we're all fine, but I do know how both my husband and I would react in case of an actual extraterrestrial invasion (laughs) because it started with just this almost earth-shattering, earth-shaking kind of bang that happened. And next thing you know, the entire block was lit up in like freakishly bright blue light. And there was this pulsing humming sound that happened. And it went on for... I want to say about 10 minutes and the like people literally started driving away in panic. Like people got right into their cars and just left. And it was like 10 o'clock at night. So I was getting ready for my outrageously early wake up time the next day. And my husband literally threw on his bathrobe and slippers and went, I'll be right back. And just went to fight the aliens. Hypothetically take them down. Yes. He was about to go fight the aliens in a bathrobe. And Honestly, knowing him, he probably would win. But meanwhile, I'm sitting in bed, like covers pulled up to my chin, being like, okay, what do we have in the house that I can use it as a weapon? Is there enough space for me to hide under the bed or do I need to use the closet? What do I do if the aliens actually walk uh-huh. into my house? <laughs> I, l- yeah. I love the thinking here that these aliens have, tr- have figured out technology to, tra- you know, to, to cross the universe, to land in New York City, to cast this eerie light, to, to come visit Earth. Yet you're convinced that you could take one with like a spatula hiding in your kitchen. Like they, they like they, they've been that unprepared for meeting you and your husband after their journey across the universe. That was kind of the thinking there. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, in signs, they were defeated by a little spritz of water and I have a That's little spray bottle right. by my bed. She's so right. worst comes to worst. <laughs> Hollywood, has, be Hollywood has taught us that some good old fashioned American can do attitude can take down most extraterrestrials. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. A crop exactly. duster, a crop duster, you know, averted an alien invasion in the first Independence Day. So, you know, I'm, I feel pretty yeah. good about a Pilates instructor. You're, you're probably I assume you're like in good physical shape. You can outlast. You could you could beat them up with your bare hands. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm a boxer, too. So it all oh works my out gosh. pretty they'd well. Be, in my they'd, be, they'd be hopeless. All right. And, and well, I feel like <laughs> I, I feel like you've warmed up here. Cameron, I'm ready for. The yeah. big question. The, big I, the, the, the fact that we read earlier, I know the secrets behind most quote unquote magic illusions you see in big magic shows. First of all, how? So I used to be a cruise ship performer. Uh, and on great. my second ship, great. we actually did a show with a bunch of illusionists. And I actually had to learn the ins and outs of these illusions or somebody was going to die inside one of those things. <laughs> so my personal favorite was one that was actually called the fire spiker. Okay. 
and there was because it was literally spikes that were lit on fire and like a person got quote impaled with these fire spikes but it, it's kind of taken the joy out of a lot of illusions like seeing magic shows now because i look at it and go oh yeah I, I know that one. Oh, i have a couple questions here you breeze past okay first did you take an oath that you are now breaking to never reveal these secrets but, no 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 no. i don't want her to reveal <laughs> the secrets i don't i want her to kind of dance this around is why it. she is on the show cameron i, I don't want to know how fire spikes are done angela how do you impale someone? Somehow I knew you were going to interrogate me on this one. I, I, I am, really I'm did. torn about what to do here. Like, I don't want to ruin. This is I don't want to tell our listeners that Santa is not real. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to like, yeah. I'm, I'm torn. I'm, I'm a little yeah, torn. Yeah. And that's honestly the way that I feel about like these illusions. When I see magic shows now, it's just kind of like, Oh yeah, I've done that one. The big, okay. the big magic shows. I, I, you know, we know that there's trap doors and all that kind of stuff. The up close magic stuff is the yes. stuff that is mind bending to me. Let me just do you yes. have any yeah. experience with that stuff? Yeah, I do actually. Yeah. Um, the illusionist on our ship did big illusion shows, but he also did close up magic and his protege who he brought on board for like <laughs> our last cruise actually is a close up magic specialist. Oh, wow. So they oh, were filming his demo reel. Okay. So that he could market himself as a more <laughs> successful magician. And they brought in a bunch of us performers to be like the witnesses and dare I say victims oh. of this close up magic show. Okay. And there were things that were done right in front of my face that make me genuinely angry because I cannot figure out okay. how okay. he did so that you, sleight you, of hand wise. You were on the receiving end, but you didn't get you don't the, know the, the intel on those ones. You have the intel on the big stage ones. But yeah, no- the big stage delusions are the ones that I actually had to learn how to use. Yeah. Um, the close-up magic, I know in theory how it works. In practice, being that close to it, you don't see the moment when they mm-hmm. do the swap or anything yeah. like that. They're like this guy in particular was that good. How did it, how did they bend the fork? I don't yeah, understand they, it. They, yeah. Exactly. This was this particular one was actually a rubber band that I literally watched him like bend into an intricate little star around his fingers, and all I did was touch it, and when it came off, it stayed in the shape, and I was like, "Get stop no." That is not fair. Uh, all right, but Angela, we have to know. I've I I uh, been messaging with the team here, and Cameron is now cool with you. He might not say it. He's gonna play coy, but I've been private messaging him while you were talking. And Chandler, if you could just mute his mic real quick, uh, I want to know how the fire spikes are done. Tell me how the fire spikes. How do they impale them with flaming spikes? We have to know, Angela. It's all about how the steps to the contraption are built. That's all I can say. That reveals nothing. I'm going to need more details. Cameron, uh, <laughs> his mic's next, still muted. He's he's waving and shouting and making hand directions. Hurry, tell us, Angela. Hurry, tell us. He's running back to the sound booth. I can, I can, read, I can read lips. He's saying, keep her talking. More details. More details, he says. That, that revealed nothing, Angela. Come on, you can do it. How does the fire spikes work? <laughs> well, the lighting it on fire is down to lighter fluid and basically fearlessness on the part of the assistant. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. What about the impaling? Yeah. That was good times. Um, but literally, it's just, it comes down to timing and a hollow part of the contraption and somebody who can bend into very, very, very tiny positions. 
Like mm-hmm. the more I worked with illusionists, the more respect I have for the magician's assistant. They do all the hard stuff. Yeah. All the magician does yeah. is misdirection. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, thanks for joining us. Our listener of the week, Angela Seiler. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. Thanks, yeah, Angela. Yeah, thanks guys for having thanks, me. Angela. If you want to be our listener of the week in the future, hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and give us three facts about yourself yeah. that are interesting. And don't tease us by telling us that it has to do with the contraption. <laughs> that tells me nothing. That Angela. <laughs> she was, she was the, coy. She the was secret coy. to the coy. trick yeah. is a contraption. Well, I figured that much. <laughs> Tell me about that contraption. You know what I would, you know what I'd watch? I'd watch George W. Bush trying to figure out magic yeah, tricks. Guessing. <laughs> like guessing. trying to figure out how to do them. <laughs> Each episode is one trick and lasts over five hours. It, uh, he never figures it out. <laughs> What what would that show be called, Jesse? Uh, I mean, I feel like all my bush puns are used. I, that's probably closer to bushwhacked. Um, uh, <laughs> how about this? <laughs> how about this? <laughs> uh, 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 what's the old expression? Because the logo for the show yeah. is like it's a magician and he's holding a dove and about to make it disappear. And right. it's called a bird in hand. Oh no! There you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. It's it's a thinker. It's a thinker. (laughs) It still works. It sets up a pun that it doesn't even give you. Yeah, exactly. You you do the work of figuring out the pun, just like George W. Bush does the work of figuring out the trick. It's literally (laughs) the perfect name: a bird in the hand, and it's a magician holding a dove. There, done. Another show for Bushwhack TV. I mean, I can sit here all day and come up with these guys. (laughs) Many thanks to Quip for making the episode possible. Remember, Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash relevant right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. It makes a great gift. Thanks also to Max Lucado for joining us. His new book, How Happiness Happens, is available for pre-order now. You can be the first to get it. Hey, if you like the show, head over to our store. There is an official Relevant Podcast fan section at the Relevant store. It's store.relevantmagazine.com. Uh, you can pick your favorite mugs and shirts and tank tops now. We have that right to bear arms tank top um, and uh, some other fan swag. Go check it out. The shelves. Store.relevantmagazine.com. You know, he also, real quick, There's they added a new show to the lineup for yeah. for, for summer sweeps. You yeah. know, sweeps is coming. I don't know if you guys knew that. Uh, this that? one's all about tanning. It's Bush giving tanning tips and it's called burning bush uh don't don't miss it this summer bushwhack tv i have i have a strong suspicion that there might be a bushwhack tv mug available at the <laughs> store by the time and this episode has, comes please out please tell me it has all the show names on the back and they're they're allotted uh network I'm, I'm, slots, I'm yeah. gonna be i'm gonna be pitching my idea for a new a new uh, prank show Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, which George W. Bush played. It's just called Bushed. Uh, you, you've been, but that's it's his catchphrase. <laughs> you've been you bushed. bushed. You've been bushed. You've been bushed. Yeah, and, he's, and he, he, but he doesn't. Out. Hey, but he rarely delivers because yeah. he's he feels too bad about the prank, and also the pranks often are kind of involved, and he doesn't always quite have the wherewithal to pull them all off. But yeah. he still jumps out of the bushes at the end. Like, you got bushed. Well, and the the other thing a lot of people uh, are excited about is this is actually going to have sports on there. Um, the Bush oh, League. Oh, Bush exciting. League. It's, uh, <laughs> it's 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 a lot of sports that is in the Stone League. It's Bush League. Sports. Well, it's, it's it's a little it's a little league. It's on Saturday mornings. It's for the family. It's like a little league <laughs> yeah. show, and it's called Bush League. Yeah. Bush League. Yeah. Just kids yeah. running around. It's fun. It's a whole. It's fun. They're on the prairie. 
He 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 has a little sports complex on the prairie on his ranch. Yeah, and so they yeah. all come out. The, the, the fun first of the show hour is, of the show is him painting, just painting the the <laughs> take, getting the white paint out there and making a whole new field for the kids. Listen, and the, the twist, peaceful. the twist is like people yeah. were like, "Why would I watch kids play baseball?" The pitch yeah. is uh, George Bush actually plays with the children, and it's just he's he's a pitcher, so he's just blasting fastballs down there and just <laughs> smacking those nine year olds, you know, meatballs no, no, their no, way no, across no, the plate. No, 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 no. He's not playing. He's the umpire, and he kind of doles out kindly life advice to the kids when they're up at bat or if a kid strikes out, he kind of consoles him, walks him off, talks to him. He's like the the wise old sage, but he's the umpire too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it, we've already got a sponsor for it, so we need to figure it out. Anheuser-Busch. Uh, so we need to figure out how we're, what the show is, because they've already paid a, a significant sum, to be honest, Bushwhack TV. <laughs> <laughs> Bushwhack TV. It's got, a, it's got something for everyone. It's yeah. a streaming platform as well. But the entire, other than other than the one show, uh, the Alaska Bush people, uh, every other show is filmed on his ranch. Yeah. yeah that's the <laughs> criteria. He doesn't like going out. You know? No, no. He's a homebody. He's a homebody. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> All right. On that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I apologize to Max Lucado. I'm Jesse Carey. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize for nothing. I'm Tyler Huckabee. And please come back, NEF Downs. We will see you <laughs> on Tuesday. Have a good weekend, everyone. for listening to the relevant podcast if you like what you heard be sure to leave us a review on itunes check out other shows from the relevant podcast network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com and while you're there browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store make sure to subscribe to relevant magazine info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe Searching for a new escape I scan the access that embrace an easy out It's his my life, my favorite song by my favorite artist, John Povey. Relevant Podcast Network.